difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'm a show them freedom like a boat. And welcome back, everyone, to his last call. Last call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And join me on the line. It's been here. Well, you earlier heard from Chris Van Heerden. He'll be fighting on the same card. This man here, well, he's taking a big step up in talent and in also uh, prestige. He'll be facing former world champion Juan Carlos Payano in a 10-round scrap. Well, he aims to not just get a win, but, well, take one more step closer to, dare I say, a world title shot. I'll give you once again one of the hardest-hitting members of the of the Russell Beatdown clan. i give you it's Gary Antonio Russell. Uh, Gary... You've won a big fights. This is a big fight. Juan Carlos Payano, a man who's has won the world title. He has knocked knocked out some big guys. Uh, how excited are you about this fight? Getting a chance to face a former world champion. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm excited, honestly. Uh, but it's something I actually expected. You know, I know if I just kept being mean, I kept beating guys, I would get to this point. Break it down for me here. Uh, Juan Carlos Payano, what makes him so dangerous? I mean, you and your family, you guys study tape. You, figure, you, know, you know how to take away guys' skills. What does he bring to the table? What makes him so dangerous as a fighter? Uh, I feel like he gets stronger in the later of the round. Um, I don't think he's too dangerous. I don't believe that he honestly possesses the one-punch knockout power. Uh, I don't think he will have enough power to honestly hurt me at all. Um, I think in most cases he has he has a good level of skills. He has the experience over me, in my opinion. Now he's been fighting longer. He fought a better opposition than what I have in my career thus far. Um, and honestly, that feels as though that's about it. Let's talk about one of the things he does have probably in bet. He's faced, to this date, elite competition. He knows what it's like to go a full 12 rounds. He knows what it's like to have those days where, you know, plan A is not working. I got to go to plan B. Uh, when you have a guy like that, when you have somebody who knows how to hide things, who knows how to go with distance, and especially knows how to literally make it so that you can't you know, see that punch coming, how tough is it, you know, having to – I guess, you know, learn what he knows. How tough is it having to learn experience? Uh, I look, I train with my bro, who's also a champion. I spar with my bro, who's also a champion. Honestly, I don't think Payano is better than my bro. So, so let me ask a bigger question here. Who's, who's more nervous for this fight, you or your family? Because I know when, when I talk with... Gary Gary Russell, you know, junior and senior, they get nervous every time you guys fight. When you when you when the baby brother Antoine watches you fight, he gets nervous. Uh, how are they handling all of this? I mean, because this is for you is a big step up. Are how nervous are they watching you? Going okay, this is his time. He's now co-main event of a big card, and he's you know he's getting ready to make a name for himself. Uh, I feel as though they. they... I feel as though they're excited as well. I feel like the only thing that makes them nervous is because they're not the ones in there and they have no control what goes on while I'm in there fighting. But I feel like I know they believe in me. They believe in my skill. How tough is this camp been for you in that it's COVID? So I'm guessing your father, you know, you and your father have had to sometimes be in a way for training camp, you know, six feet apart. You know, you guys are wearing masks. You know, you, you want to make sure he doesn't get sick because of what's going on. You want to make sure you're not getting sick. So you miss out on this fight. How much has this been a weird camp for you in that you had to now fight, you know, with all these restrictions and masks and, you know, social distancing? Now, honestly, it's perfect for me. Really? How is that? Because honestly, if you ever did, if you watch any of my other interviews or if you hear anyone talk about me, out of all the Russell brothers. I'm the most quietest one. I'm the most standoffish one. Because honestly, I believe I'm an introvert. 
So I'm okay with not being around people. You know, I like being in my own space anyway. So for me to get a lot of people away and they have to keep their social distance, it, it works in my favor. It works in my benefit. That's my comfort zone. I, I don't really like being around a lot of people. So it worked perfect for uh, me as far as this camp. You know, the only thing that I disliked is the timing. You know, we we kind of taking this fight on a very short notice. A lot of people don't know. We we stay in the gym. We we, we train, so I am in good shape. Uh, but honestly, this was not the opponent I was getting ready for at first. The guy I was getting ready for wasn't even softball. So for us to switch up within like a two-week notice, two-and-a-half-week notice, you know, it uh, it kind of didn't slow the progress down, but it made us have to rechange the strategy in which we was working on at first. Well, how but much of this was, and I, I get that part, but how much of it for you was, and your team was basically, it's the opportunity. It's like, all right, yeah, I know this is a pain in the ass. Yes, we got to take this fight two weeks notice, but it's Warren Carlos Payano. It's, it's a name so that, you know, this isn't Jesus Martinez or Francisco Pedroza, Jose Maria Cardenas. Cardenas, this is a guy that, for all the critics, and I know that you guys don't really care, but it probably does bother you. This is a name. This is somebody that you could say, hey, I'd be a former world champion here before my 20th fight here. You know, you can now kiss my rear, you know, my derriere. How much of this was basically, like, too perfect to pass up? A lot of it. It was damn near too perfect to pass up. Why not take it? No, honestly, I don't feel as though he could beat me. I don't feel as though he had the skill set to beat me. Uh, I don't think he's going to do anything or bring anything to the table in which I haven't seen. Uh, so why not take the fight? I know I'm in, I'm in good shape. I've been getting my rounds. I'm getting my sparring there. So um, we prepared. How tough has this been year been for you, but overall in terms of just the helplessness of usually what guys you've been fighting now steadily i mean last year we talked about how you fought four times this year this will be your second fight and i'm guessing you you guys are planning all right we're gonna fight four more times we're gonna be you know in you know twice now headlining events and because of covid the whole thing got held up i mean you guys literally have not been able to fight since for you february how frustrating has it been not be able to fight, not be able to even train at times, not be able to do just your normal daily routine because the whole country's been on lockdown. I mean, it, it's been tough, you know, it's been tough, but we made a way, you know, we have our own gym. We shut it down just for the brothers to keep our gears grinding, but it's kind of, it was a little rough at first getting spawned in because of the COVID. So you want the best spawn that you could possibly find, but at the same time, as well as the safest, you know, you don't want to come in contact with it or anyone who probably have come in contact with it. So it's very skeptical or you second guess about having certain people come in because of it. Well, it, it was kind of frustrating, but uh, we made a way to make it work. We found a way to make it work. You know, in most cases, fighters, we're going to go through adversity. Great fighters get through them. How much of this has also been just nerve wracking for you in that? You, you know, you could probably, if you got COVID, you could probably, you know, recuperate very quickly. You're a young man. You're in fantastic shape. How tough is it, Boban, worrying about, okay, I don't want my father getting it because I don't want him being in a hospital. I don't want him getting really sick. How tough is it about worrying, worrying about him so that, you know, you, you guys want to fight. You don't want to do all this, but you don't want him getting hurt because either a training partner, somebody else, a hang around, a doctor, somebody gets, you know, you you know infected with COVID. Next thing you know, he gets it. Ah, uh, that would suck. It would be so frustrating. But at the end of the day, you know, my dad instills and trains us in a way in which we all understand. And again, there's adversities that fighters go through, not in just boxing, but in life. And if that was the case and it had happened, we would find a way to get through it. We have we have duo FaceTime, but he will watch us train from a social distance. So we would, we would have found a way to make it happen. I'm guessing for you, this is basically also up your alley that it's going to be a closed arena. So as you said, I don't like you, you, you like your social distancing. You like being sort of left to your own devices. There's not going to be many fans, not going to be a lot of, you know, people around there. It's going to be basically you 
your corner, Juan Carlos, his team, the referee, the judges, and the camera people. That's it. It's going to be a quiet-ass, you know, arena. How much do you enjoy that where it's basically – it's a pure fight. You don't have to worry about crowds. You don't have to worry about all this other, you know, bling and, you know, hustle and all this crap. It's basically two men in a ring. You're going to settle it. You don't have to worry about all this other crap. It's just a pure fight. Uh, surprisingly, and I, I'm, I don't speak just for me when I say this. I'm sure other fighters uh, is going to relate to what I'm about to say as well. In most cases, with the crowd being there, I love it. I love when the crowd is there. The walkout, the music, the crowd cheering and chanting. I love the atmosphere of getting ready to fight. I love the atmosphere of getting ready to perform. But honestly, once I am in the ring, the crowd is a non-factor anyway. I don't hear anyone. I don't hear no one but my corner anyway. So, again, it's right up my alley. You know, it's like we're in the gym almost, in which there's no one around but a select few people. At the end of the day, as we said, he's a good, he's a big name. He's a guy who's beaten Anselmo Moreno. He's beaten Rashi Warren. He's beaten Mike Plania, uh, Damian Vasquez. He he's he has collected a lot of scalps of a lot of undefeated kids. Only Naya Inoue, Luis Neri, Daniel Roman, and Rashi Warren have beaten him. Two of those guys went to the distance. Uh, how much do you love this? As I said, it's this is the fight which all these people said, oh, Gary Antonio Russell, he's been baby. Oh, he, he hasn't fought anybody. But it, this is the fight where now, as you said, if you win, you can look at everybody here, for myself, other sports writers, boxing you know, critics, fighters, and go, you know what? I beat a world champion. I probably even knocked him out. Give me my mother effing credit. Uh, even then, I won't even ask for my credit. <laughs> Even then, I won't ask for my credit. I don't do this for the fans. I do this for myself. I do this for myself. I do this for my children and people who, who genuinely love and support me. Because I'm done finished with my boxing. Half of the people, they're not going to be calling me to make sure that I'm okay or anything. So as far as me getting my credit, I'm not worried about that. I'm going to get my just due. Me just being the genuine, humble guy that I am and performing each time I fight, my credit is going to get due. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, as I said, it's going to be December 19th. It's going to be Mohegan Sun Casino. It's going to be this man here in action in a huge matchup for a super bantamweight clash. I give you once again, it's Gary Antonio Russell. And Antonio Russell. Gary, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans hit you up at? Uh, y'all can find me on Instagram at Gary Antonio Russell. Uh, y'all can follow my team page at Team Gary Russell. And anybody else, y'all can actually follow my younger brother, Gary Antoine, who's currently undefeated. 13 no 13 knockouts. Y'all can follow him as well at Gary A. Russell. Y'all know my older brother, the champ, at Mr. Gary Russell. No, y'all can follow all of them pages, man. Show love and support. Gary Antonio Russell, ladies and gentlemen, once again, he'll be fighting his December 19th only on Showtime World Championship Boxing against Juan Carlos Piano. Check it out. We come back, though. We got a whole lot more here only on it is Last Call. Last Call that the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay tuned for more great action coming up. Back once again, only on it is last 
alcohol. Last call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And join me on the line. This man here will be fighting once again. It will be only on Showtime World Championship Boxing. We have it is priest. You have Manuel Rodriguez fighting uh, for his world title. We're going to talk about that later on. But this man here will be taking on probably a lot of people say the fight of a night. That includes the uh, Canal versus. Callum Smith on the zone. They'll be taking on Jared Ennis in a welterweight scrap. He's armed with a, a new contract, new agreement. He's with the Premier Boxing Championship. I give you from South Africa once again via California. I give you Chris Van here tonight. Chris, it, it the good news is you got a new deal, a new organization. The bad news is you're taking on a guy that a lot of people say might be as good as a guy by the name of Errol Spence. You might have heard of that guy. Uh, Tell us about this fight. How did it come about? Why did you agree to it? And why take on a guy when I'm guessing you could have waited a little bit longer, gotten somebody who is, you know, has a lot more name and less, I guess, uh, risk. No, very true. Very true. First of all, thanks for having me. And then second, you know, I live with this. A lot of people miss the opportunity of success because they're afraid to take risks. He who is afraid to take risks will accomplish nothing in life. I am a fighter. I fight. I also know that I'm 33 years old. It's been a very bad year with everything going on in this world, COVID. And, you know, I came off two beautiful wins with top rank. I was going to fight in April for my third fight with top rank. And then COVID happened. So we went into a shutdown. And I always, I always, I'm in the gym. I'm always at least 67% always. I'm never out of shape. And PBC made me an offer. And um, again, this is my job. This is what I do. I want to become world champion. Again, I want to have the opportunity to fight for world title. And this is it. It's happening. Everything I left home for seven years ago, is happening. Everything I believed I would achieve, I said, I will go to America and I will fight. I will, I will do it again. I will fight for world title again. This time, not in South Africa, my home country. I will do it in the mega of boxing in America, the big America. And people laughed at me. But my vision, my dream, and what I believed I, I'm capable of doing never changed. Now, you ask me, why did I take this fight? Well, how many fighters go their whole career without ever fighting for world title. A lot of them. Well, I get an opportunity. Now, I hear you saying, NS is, you know, I could have probably picked an easier fight or an easier route. Very true. I could have picked an easier route. But that's not who I am. I don't, I never, I, I didn't say no to El Spence and I lost. I learned. But I don't want to be the guy that's being called someone that avoids big names. Everything made sense for me taking this fight in the sense of the opportunity. It's a world title. But to be honest with you, this goes much further than, than, than that. And if I can share with you where this goes, you will appreciate it. I uh, left and my you home. Are, and look, you're always able to share. Look, first, let me jump in with Ennis. Because you've seen him. He is this rare fighter who he comes to knock you out. There isn't really, you know, he's not going to, you know, dance and, you know, you know, shake and bake. He's not going to pick from the outside. He, it's seek and destroy. He is 26 wins, 24 by knockout. Uh, last fight out there we saw against uh, Abreu, and he just went out there, uppercut, you know, big right hand. He's dropping him several times. He's coming out there to take your head off. You know, you really, uh, you know, a, uh, a chance for you to ever go, okay, well, I can take a round off here, round off there. What do you see out of him? Like, what makes you, what, when you look at him, how does he compare to anybody so far that you've faced in your career? You know, no, probably no one. You know, he's, 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 he's his own guy and he's completely something completely different. But I've been in there with punches and I've been in there with, with really, with, with formal champions. You know, I see a guy that's young and hungry and strong and I see a guy that's coming to, to fight, but I also see, I also have the, the, the question. Um, he's never really fought anyone. 
on my level. I'm, I'm a level above all these competition. There's no doubt about it. And the guys that has faced him, I don't think they had the confidence that they could probably beat him. I don't, I don't think they believed themselves. They were either flat-footed or they went at him. So he didn't need to go look for them. And he, you know, he's just a strong kid. I want to see what happens when he fights someone with a with a boxing IQ, someone that's got ring generalship, someone that's got that's been in there. Well, we'll find out. But the opportunity came, and and I I, I don't run away. I I I fight. Take us to a journey here. I mean, this has been now your first fight in fourteen months, and as we we talked with you, yeah. You were looking for a contract. You before that, you were looking for a fight. You were trying to get the winner of Mean Machine versus Crawford. That didn't pan out, and all of a sudden, you're looking at you know the top ranking. Going, okay, well, what's what's the plan here? Where am I going? How tough has it been these last four months? Where there's yeah. no money coming in. You're going through your own free agency. You're you're betting on yourself here. And while this is going on, oh by the way, COVID hit, which means there is not much boxing. So yes. To yes, sum up the last true. 14 and, months, how would you sum it up as? And I'm 33, I'm turning 34. It's not like I'm 23 years old. It's not like I have the rest of my career ahead of me. So it was, you know, it was it was a lot to deal with. It was a lot to deal with. But then again, like I tell you, I always stand in gyms. I'm always not, I'm, I'm never out of shape. Um, and then this opportunity came. And I, I had the discussion with PBC. And we came to an agreement, and it's one that 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 works for me. Um, now, the journey has been seven years away from home. Okay, the journey has been. I came to America 26th of December, 2013, as the current IBO World Champion. I lost that belt because of bad management. My title got taken away from me. I had a, I had a hard road to get here. But more than all of that. I came to America with a vision and a dream to fight for world title, to be on this, to be in this fight, on the, on this level of fights, TV fight, big name, uh, and a world title. And that that meant I had to leave home and, and say goodbye to my best friend, my dad. Okay? My dad being my best friend, my role model, my hero, my inspiration, my father. It, it, I, I had to say goodbye to him. And and I missed five years of a of a father son physical relationship. I missed out on five years because I was chasing this dream and this vision I saw for myself. And my dad saw it for me. And to finally, you know, I lost my dad two years ago. Oh, we all know my dad was murdered two years ago. And to finally say it wasn't for nothing. You know, I always I was afraid to 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 be the guy that's gonna be like, while I chased a dream that was crazy and it cost five years of my time with my dad. Now I can say, Dad, it wasn't for nothing. Everything you believed, and I believe, it paid off. And I can make peace with that. I can finally make peace with that and say, that it wasn't for nothing. And that's what is is. This is so much, it means so much more to me. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we got Chris Van Heerden on the show. We're talking all things his uh, big fight coming up with Jared Ennis this Saturday, only on Showtime. We're talking about the PBC contract. We're talking uh, his father here. As he said, it's you're now with the big dogs. They have everybody. You 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 want a big fight against somebody over in the world's weight division? Well, they have all that. They from the Manny Pacquiao's, the Keith Thurman's, Errol Spence's, Jamal James. They have everyone. How much do you enjoy that? Where it's now like, okay, this can happen. I can now make this fight. I don't have to worry about you know top rank uh, PBC feuding. I don't have to worry it about feels, it. Feels here. good. It it feels it really feels good to know that that all that that. Everything I work so hard for is finally coming my way, and that I have an opportunity to to change my life. And it's my life. My life is already changing, but it 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 just feels good to know that I'm 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 there. 
so once again, boy, as I said, it's why Jaron Ennis? I mean, this is a guy you can you can argue here, and there are people who will say he's better right now than your Danis Ugas power wise. He's more dangerous than Jamal James, and both those guys have titles, and you could you could wait on them. He is. You know, well, more, again, again, I got, I got, he, I got, I got more, some say he's better than Sean Porter right now. So, well, why him? Why was this the well, fight that you and your team went, you know what? Screw this. Let's jump right in there in our first fight after 14 months. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry to fight. I'm hungry to fight. It's been, it's been 14 months again. It's everyone is fighting at some point. You, you never know when it's, when, when, when a second opportunity, a big opportunity is going to come your way. You, you don't know. We, we are not promised tomorrow. Okay, we are not promised tomorrow. We both know that, and if and and that means more to me now since I lost my dad. I know the value of tomorrow. It's it's it can be it. You don't know when you're gonna get another opportunity, and I just wanna you know I I wanna I wanna fight the best. I wanna fight. I wanna fight, and you know if, I want the names on my resume. I wanna fight. I I'm a South African and I wanna fight. How tough is it gonna be this fight in terms yeah. of? He has one big advantage right now. He's been active. They've kept him active yeah. through COVID. This will be his third fight this year. You haven't fought in 14 months. And I get it. You're always in shape. You're always in the gym. You're doing all that. It's one thing to be in the gym and be yeah, in shape. It's another thing to be ready boxing-wise. How much of that is, uh, for you, a, a challenge in that you got to get back into, you know, a swing of things? And, you know, he, you know, he has been ready. He's been – He surely does have his advantages, but I'm a veteran. You know, I, I'm a veteran. I'm a veteran in the sport, and I cannot I, – by now I should know I, – I should have learned how to – how to how to deal with the, the the being inactive? Look at if you look at my career the last five years since coming to America, it's been a tough road for me. In 2017, I never had a fight because of deals and almost making things happen. And then I got thrown into the WBC tournament, and and I went straight into a ten round fight. Like like I've been here before. I mean, my mind. I should I have to be mentally ready i have to i have to i have to be able to prepare myself mentally for this and that's it man i'm not saying well if you ask me what i wish i wish i had eight weeks i wish i, I was active but that's not the situation right now that's not where i'm at right now and i'm i'm i've got to i've got to i've got to make the best with the cost that's that i've been dealt with and i take my opportunity He's been past round four, five times. He's been to round six. You know how it is. He comes out there and he's it's it's basically seek and destroy. He's looking at you, going, "Okay, he's a good boxer, but he doesn't bring much power." I'm gonna walk him down. I'm gonna trap him in the corner. I'm gonna do what Spence did and just start unloading. I can. He doesn't bring the one punch power. I don't have to worry about that. How much of this for you and your team is about? Okay, we're gonna drag his ass to deep water. Make him that's, go that round seven, round eight, round ten. That's big See what part happens of the game. when he absolutely has had to go that. Absolutely, that's 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 one that's one thing we'll see is is I have to be really focused and do whatever I can to to drag him to the deep waters. I have to drag him to the deep waters and get him past those rounds and see and see how he handles that. If I'm able to do it, we'll find out what he, what what he, what he's about. Very happily, gentlemen. Once again, it's going to be this this Saturday, December nineteenth, at Mohican Sun Casino, only on Showtime. It is, of course, Emmanuel Rodriguez for, for his first ever title. They'll be taking on the very dangerous, very game Ray Marcaballo. It'll be this man against Jared Enos in a welterweight scrap, which many people say the best fight of a weekend. It's once again Chris Van Heerden. Now, Chris, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where Instagram, can fans contact you at? Instagram, Chris Van Heerden, 001. Twitter, The Heat, 001. And then I got a fan page on Facebook, which is just simple Chris Van Heerden. That would be, uh, that would be it. Chris Van Heerden, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. He will be fighting once again December 19th. Only on Showtime World Championship Boxing. We come back. We got a whole lot more good here, but only on it is Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol. Only on it is 
the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay tuned for more great action coming up. everyone to its last call last call with the alcohol only on it is the blue wire hustle network and once again want to thank my wonderful guests uh chris van heerden and also gary antonio russell both of the pbc they'll be fighting this weekend only on showtime world championship boxing but now we turn our attention to it is mma and well this man here was busy was a busy bee last week bellator 254 ufc fight night we got another ufc fight night this weekend he it's a smorgasbord of MMA, and he's been breaking down everything, handing out grades, and just analyzing everything. I give you uh, one of the rising young MMA writers and stars here. I give you it's Lucas Grandshire. Uh, Lucas, let's start off here with we, we talked about before. We, we were leading up to it. You called it here. Bellator two fifty four, Alimile McFarland versus Juliana Velasquez. Break it down for me here. How good of a fight was it in your opinion? And it was this was this the perfect opponent in terms of if Julian was if Aline was going to lose to somebody, this is sort of the 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 only person could beat her. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a good fight. You know, it did have uh, its moments where there was a little bit of a lull in the action, as you could. Uh, see the kind of the filling out process and everything, but it was great. I mean, we got to see a flying knee. We got to see really great grappling from both of them. But, you know, as I'm watching the fight, the big thing I noticed is just how how huge Velasquez looks compared to McFarlane. And I think when you, you're that big and you have a big strength advantage and you face someone, you know, that's known for their grappling and stuff, that's going to be a big advantage uh, on the ground. And I think we saw that in that fight. Uh, it, it did seem like Velasquez did have the style and, uh, you know, like I mentioned, physically had the advantages in that one. And it did seem like she was tailor-made to beat her. And I think if there was a rematch, we'd probably see more of the same. But, you know, it was a pretty good fight. And I did have a hunch going into it that this could potentially be the one where we see uh, Ali Malay lose the title. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for her, this is exactly what we saw on uh, Thursday night. So let's talk about what go- going forward for both ladies here. Uh, Ali Malay is basically with the face of Bellator in a lot of ways. So she's a dynamic fighter. Uh, they they love having our main events. If she can't win, does that force Coker to go? You know, I could really have a women's hundred fifty pound division after all. You know, that does sound like a good idea. I know he's been hesitant about adding on the atom weights and the women and women's one fifteen because he doesn't want to get all these divisions. But if Lima can't beat Juliana, does he do that so that he can have her have her own division where she's not? the smaller fighter and just sort of in nowhere's land. I mean, it's kind of an interesting theory, right? It sort of goes into what happened with Valentina Shevchenko in the UFC where, you know, at 135, it was like she was one of the greatest, but wasn't quite the greatest. Now she has her own division and she is the greatest in the division. So, you know, do, could you see the, as something similar for Alima Lay? Definitely. But I just don't think Bellator are going to pull the trigger on that one. I think they're going to want to see what uh, Juliana can do with that division and, I just don't see him building a whole division just for Lima Lay. Even though she's a great star and everything, I think she's different from, you know, Valentina Shevchenko and what she did for the UFC in terms of getting her own division in an extremely similar situation. So I don't think they're going to pull the trigger on it, but it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to go the route of building her back up for the title or if they're going to stick with just fun fights or, you know, throw a fighter that we're familiar with on a main card. Um, You know, there's a bunch of ways Bellator can go, and I'm sure they're going to make the right decision because, most of the time when it comes to matchmaking, putting on fun fights, they usually, they're usually pretty good about it. But so I'm very curious, but to answer your question, I don't think they're going to build a whole division around her, to be honest with you. Let's talk about fun fights. Shamil Nakayev, Cameron Lakhanov. I, I apologize to the bantamweights over in, over, sorry, the, the flyweights over in the UFC. That fight stole the weekend. That was just pure rock'em, sock'em, 
Ward versus Gotti action, where you basically saw two guys smiling at each other as they were beating the hell out of each other. I was in love. I wanted to adopt these two men. Uh, is this probably the one of those few, few fights where if you ever want to get a casual to get interested in fight, you go, yeah, plot this fight on, just sit back and watch. I mean, I mean, definitely, you know, it's a, it's the kind of fight that you use the fight itself to sell it to a casual fan. But I think we're forgetting about casual fans is the way you get them into fights is by, uh, you know, giving them a storyline. So as great as the fight was, if they haven't heard of either fighter, you know, maybe they'll be entertained, they'll get into it. But I think they, they need that storyline. Like, you know, Brock Lesnar was that storyline for a lot of people because they knew who he was. So, I mean, it's a great fight. And if they are someone who tends to like, combat sports and they're probably gonna really love that one and then get more into it and give some uh some more views to bellator because you know it shows that they can put on some great fights and it doesn't have to be you know these huge names but yeah i mean it was a, definitely a great fight magomed make magomed make defeated matthias matos uh it was a good fight he convincingly won he's now said that you know the, the road at 135 goes through him I know there's a couple of guys named Rafion Stotts and Juan Archuleta who are having some jokes about that. How much is that? I mean, when you look at Bell, is that Bellator's probably best division in terms of you look at their top 10, you throw Magomedov in, you throw Archuleta, you got Patricky Mix, you got uh, you know Sergio Pettis, you've got Rafion Stotts. You have all the, I mean, how much has this has been a division where quietly and quickly they've built it up to become possibly the best in terms of depth in terms of one through 10 where you can go any of these guys can win i mean we have a champion oh for sure i mean it's a great division Beltor did a good job of having you know homegrown guys like uh archuleta and now we saw magomed magomedov and uh things like that and then while adding a few sprinkle of the ufc guys like sergio pettis so it's a great division not only in bellator but in all over the mma world so i think it's something it's a trend that we're seeing everywhere just how great the bantamweights are so I'm excited for it. If they can make the right matchups and we can have, you know, a good charismatic champion, it's such an exciting division for Bellator. And I feel like there's a lot of things they can do with it if they get the right matchups and they continue to, you know, build names like they did this past weekend. Who is the Bellator number one contender at heavyweight? I mean, Lynn Vassell is down 2-0. He beat Ronnie Marquez and he knocked out violently uh, Sergei Karatanov. Uh, you have Vladimir you know, Moldovsky, who's, you know, Undefeated Bellator also, though he hasn't had a big sexy name. He's beat one of the cell, but nobody really else. And oh, by the way, Tim Johnson's on a two-fight win streak. And well, he's beaten uh, Chuck Congo and before that, Tyrell Fortune. Uh, if you have to give somebody, you know, the number one contendership, who do you who do you give it to? And is that basically the one division where you look at Bellator and go, hmm, you still need work. You need a lot of work in that division. Oh, for sure. It's a division that needs a lot of work. I mean, for me, the number one contender is Tim Johnson. You know, it had some some great wins and stuff, but it does show you the the lack of quality in that division. I mean, even Anthony Johnson was potentially, you know, signed for Bellator, and they were talking about putting him at heavyweight, and it was sort of like, yeah, he could probably just walk right up to a title shot. So it's a division they really have to work on. 205 is looking, uh, looking great. It's looking awesome, but 265, it's – I mean, you know, you win two fights, and all of a sudden you're in the conversation for the belt. I know heavyweight's a tough division, but, yeah, they, they've got a lot of work to do. But number one contender for me is Tim Johnson. And I think, you know, I, I hate to sound mean or anything, but I think that just shows you the, the, the you know, the spot the division's in. I mean, he, he has some good wins, Fortune, uh, Mitrione, stuff like that. But still, it's like Tim Johnson, like if you put him in the UFC, there's no way he'd even be in a title conversation or even a contender thing. So, yeah, for me, I'm going to go with Johnson. But it, it's, it's definitely disappointing because you feel like Bellator, you know, haven't been able to build up this division quite like they have some of the others, like 205. And like we previously mentioned, uh, 135. All right, let's go to UFC 256. I know that was your – you enjoyed that card. It was stacked. <laughs> I know we could go over the whole entire card if you want to. But let's start off here with first the story of the night. The flyweights continue to just show Dana, no, you, you can't get rid of us. We, you know, like basically is uh, in that movie, Long Kiss Goodnight, you're, they, they are the Samuel Jackson. Yes, you can't kill me, motherfuckers. I'm still here. <laughs> he he get, tries to kill him. He get come back. And then you see the Figueredo versus Moreno bring down the house in a a five-round draw, which we're going, oh, crap, we need to run this back again. 
Yeah, I mean, for sure, it was a, it was such a great fight. I mean, you know, I think it's just the champion himself. Every fight he's in is great. I mean, he's he's able to get the finish. We saw him go the distance and continue to be entertaining, get a little bit sloppy, but, you know, it was such a great fight, and, and it just shows you that the division does have quality in it, and it does have uh, some fun matchups in it. And, I mean, credit has to be put to Brendan Moreno as well, who was, you know, tough as hell, willing to give it to him. Even even for me, heading into the last couple of rounds, it was like, you know, really, he's he's going to have to find the finish. And some guys tend to give up, and Moreno just, you know, managed to win the fourth, managed to win the fifth in a lot of people's eyes. And, I mean, it was, it was such a great fight. Just so much credit to both men and how exciting that division can be. Because I think people tend to forget that, you know, it, it can be a great division, and they are capable of putting on fun fights. Give me the one person right now of all, all from let's say the main card who stood out to you. The one person you go if if this is about if a story, as you said, every fight is about storyline. So give me the one storyline here that you thought was the that the be that basically stole the night. Is it Oliveira Ferguson? Is it Mackenzie Dern's win? Cyril Gagne basically almost seems to be forcing JDS out of UFC. Kevin Hall's uh, KO. Like, give me the one fight you think this was a story. This was a story that symbolizes UFC 256. Wow, that is such a tough question. I mean, for me, it's, you know, the main event was great, but the four fights before that, for me, it's like each one of them has such a unique story and, and everything that I liked. Uh, if I had to pick one, though, I would probably just say Kevin Holland versus Souza. I mean, gave us such a... a a weird knockout to be to be honest. I mean, what he was laying down and just catches Jacare sitting. I mean, something we don't see often, you know. And it showed a, a changing of the guard, which I think we saw with Oliveira. We saw it with Gan as well. So, for for me, it would be that one. But really, you couldn't go wrong with any of these fights. They were all great. They all had so many storylines. And uh, but yeah, that knockout was really impressive, and it, it just it it added to the excitement. I mean, for me, it was such a great card, and that fight really just helped you know, seal the point of, you know, just how great it was because we got the high, highlight reel knockout. And, you know, for me, I would go with that one, but really it's like a, any of the five, you know, and you wouldn't be wrong. Is Charles Oliveira for real? I mean, we, we keep seeing him and, you know, there, there's been spots where he looks great. And then there are spots where you look and go, oh my God, he looks absolutely God awful. He, he doesn't even belong in the octagon here. Right now he's in that spot where he, as we look, we look back and it's, Kevin Lee guillotine choke. Tony Ferguson, he just beat up before that. It was Nick Lenz, Jared Gordon finishes uh, Anaconda choke over David Tamore. Is it safe to say that this he is bloomed into what we all thought he was going to be? This outrageous guy who could possibly win a title. Oh, 100%. I mean, this fight told you he was for real. If you were like, you know, uh, Jared Gordon, like, you know, Guida to Jared Gordon, it was like, those were good wins, but it was like, let's see him. Kevin Lee told you, hold on, I mean, this guy might be for real, and then this fight against Tony Ferguson, I mean, holy crap. Uh, I was I was talking during the main card, and I was saying, you know, this fight kind of tells us, you know, what I feel would happen if we saw Habib Nurmagomedov take on Tony Ferguson. Like, this, for me, was kind of like a, a little preview of that. For me, this is the fight that proves that he's real, because the official scorecards had it 30-26, Everybody else on Twitter, all the media had it 30-25, 30-24. And you just don't do that, Tony Ferguson. So for me, if, if you're asking me, like, buy or sell on uh, Charles Oliveira, you definitely buy. For me, this is this is for real, and I just can't wait to see what's next for him. He looked, I mean, he just looks so good. And to do that to Tony Ferguson, that's damn impressive. I hate to say this because it's I know it's blasphemy, but we were talking about if JDS loses, he might be on the chopping block. Is Tony Ferguson on the chopping block? He's 36 years old. He's coming off now back-to-back -back fights where he's been just beaten like a government mule. Add to that his contract. Add to that his injury history. Add to the fact, as I said, he's an old 36. It's not like he's getting younger. Is it? And I know that everybody here, including you, have been just begging for for Habib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson. It's like that. It is like the white whale that is. You know, Lennox Lewis versus Klitschko. That fight should have happened. Why didn't it happen? I am pissed about that. But is it time to say Tony Ferguson might no longer be for the UFC? Oh, no, no way. I think uh, the, the stuff about the cuts kind of scared everybody, which is why during fight week we saw a lot of, you know, asking Cub Swanson, asking JDS, asking Tony Ferguson, you know, do you think you're going to be cut? Because I think they kind of put that fear into if you're not quite a title challenger and you're expensive. But 
I don't think so, man. They, I, listen, it's all about matchups, and Justin Gaethje wasn't a good matchup for him. Oliveira obviously was not a great matchup, but I mean, look at his resume before. He just had a rough 2020. There's still plenty of good fights for him. Is he going to fight Habib Nurmagomedov now? The answer is definitely no. Is he going to fight for a title ever again? I mean, this told us, you know, in my opinion, I don't think so, but there's still plenty of fights for him and stuff. If he starts to lose to sort of, I mean, you know, some of the smaller names and guys that are kind of fringe, then we can start talking about, okay, maybe it makes sense financially and marketing wise to cut him. But right now there's still plenty of fights for him. This is just your typical, you know, you start to lose to the cream of the crop. Now we start seeing you fight guys that are ranked like number seven, eight, you know, 10, stuff like that. And then, you know, we see how it goes, but I don't think so yet. We can be scared about that in the future if things don't go well. But for now, I think he should be fine. I mean, look at his resume beforehand. It's just two losses. I'm not too worried about it. Kevin Holland, he's 5-0, and and he made, as he said, he believes he should be fighter of the year for 2020, including wins over Joaquin Buckley, Darren Stewart, Charles Antivieros, Anthony Hernandez, and now Jacare Souza. I mean, granted, he's probably not going to get it, but is it safe to say he's been, for 2020, he's been one of the stories of guys who just came out of nowhere and just went, all right, it's my time now. I am the future of this division. You know, I don't know if it came out of nowhere. I mean, obviously his debut was tough against Thiago Santos, and then he put on a three-fight winning streak. The Brendan Allen fight was kind of the one where people sort of gave up on him a little bit. And then, But 2020, though, he came back strong, has five wins, and some of them have aged really well, like the, the Buckley fight. I mean, people completely forgot after Buckley's viral knockout that, oh, yeah, he got knocked out by uh, Kevin Holland, and obviously his fight against Souza. I mean, what an impressive victory. So. Fighter of the year, I don't mind. I mean, you go 5-0. and Granted, not all of them are elite contenders in the top five or whatever, but he's got a good case for it, and he had a, a great 2020, and I'm, I'm so excited for his future and his potential because that fight over Souza, I mean, that just shows you that this, this guy is set for big things. So uh, I'm excited for what's next for him. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we've got – it is the very polite but very studious and – one of the, I said, top young MMA writers here. I got Lucas Grand, Grandsire here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, UFC 256, talking Bellator uh, 254. Let's talk about the sneaky card coming up this weekend. It's uh, UFC Fight Night, Vegas 17. It's on ESPN Plus, which we'll get to this later on, but it's a good little card. You have some good fights, you have some. Exciting fights. You got some fights which I think are crossroad fights. Let's talk about one fight I've been dying to know about: Anthony Pettis versus Alex Morono. Uh, you talk to Morono; he feels this is his fight. But he, you know, his teammate um, Ferreira beat you know had beaten Pettis. That Pettis is there for the taking. If Anthony Pettis loses, is there a chance that Anthony Pettis could lose this fight? Especially that the fact he is only. Two and you know, two and three in his last five fights. He's taking on a big welterweight. Let's face it, he is getting up there in age. We forget he is he is 33 years old. He's no longer a young kid. He's now a grizzled veteran. Yeah, I mean, what what a weird fight this is. Like you would have said, you know, just four, four years ago or something that Pettis would be taking on Morono as the opener of a you know some fight night card. I don't think people would believe you, but. You know what we talked earlier about was Tony Ferguson a threat for getting cut? Anthony Pettis is exactly what we're looking at. I think this could potentially be the last fight of his contract, something like that. And I'm hearing things could be interesting with, with Bellator. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely, you know, Morono's for the taking. You know, Pettis has an avenue to victory. But I'm, I'm intrigued in this fight. I mean, it's going to it's gonna tell us a lot about the winner and, you know, a lot about the loser too. So I'm interested to see this one. And it's – you know, it kind of flew under the radar. I feel like I saw Morono do a lot of media and stuff like that, but it, it doesn't have the hype that an Anthony Pettis fight used to have, and it's definitely a little bit sad. Greg Hardy my, versus Marcin Tybora. Uh, it's sink or swim, I think, for Greg Hardy. He, he I, know, I know that, you know, he won't get cut, but if, at some point, though, do you put him on the chopping block? He's a heavyweight who has a big contract. He's a heavyweight who... You don't see him as a cha- as a champion. He just doesn't have that here. If he loses to Marcin Tybora, and I get it, he'll still be only seven and three, but he'll be, you know, up there in age. He'll be a guy who makes six figures. Do you cut him? I mean, especially with all the baggage and everything now, with the UFC being now looked at with everything, with from 
Mike Perry to this class action suit. Is there a chance that Greg Hardy could be cut just because he doesn't, you know, he is, he's no longer, you know, brings a lot to the table. He's just an average heavyweight. No, I think there's no way he gets cut. I think if he was going to get cut, that was going to happen, you know, in the past. And it just hasn't happened. Um, you know, and, and this is what I mean by, you, you know, the, the UFC put that fear in everyone. Like you start to look at who's expensive, who might not fight for the title and stuff. And you start to look at guy, all these guys that could be cut. But for me, Greg Hardy, I don't expect him to be cut at all. He's been like a fun little project for the UFC, the professional athlete that brings extra eyeballs. You know, people talk about him, whether it's positive or not. So I, I definitely don't think so. But this fight is definitely sink or swim. I mean, he showed us that he's a legit fighter. UFC caliber young heavyweight so this is definitely an interesting fight and I think it's gonna you know it's gonna show us if he's for real or not you know I've definitely had question marks about things like his footwork and stuff like that but this is a great matchup to really determine are you a contender are you just some kind of you know circusy fun fight that you throw on a card just like we're seeing here I mean it's it's a fight with a lot of storylines but yeah I don't think he's a threat to be cut I think it's just you look at him he's expensive you start to wonder if he could fight for the belt and then you start thinking yeah but I don't think so. I think Greg Hardy was going to get cut. They could have done that a long time ago. So I, I don't think now's the time. Marlon Marlon Murray versus Rob Font. Uh, we talked with Rob Font. He wanted this fight. He wanted a big name. He wanted to show, hey, I'm ready for a world title. Hey, I'm ready for the best of the best. And quietly, he's been a guy who's improved. Could this fight steal the show? I mean, we talked about that, you know, before – where we have there's always that fight that you look and go, you know what? It's pretty good. And then all of a sudden you realize, holy crap, it's a damn good fight. It is the best fight of the night. Is this that fight? Is this the fight where you look and go, this steals the show? Uh, under ordinary circumstances, you could say this steals the show. And it's such a great fight. I mean, I, I heard some people shitting on this card and I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, you know, even if you're a bit of a casual fan, you can recognize some names and you can really see the quality, but it's the fight with Chaos Williams and Michelle Pereira. I think the, those guys are going to ruin any, any stealing of the night of anybody else. But if that circusy fight wasn't on there, definitely. I mean, it's such a great matchup. It's flown way under the radar. Uh, you know, it, it's, I mean, it's a really great fight. It's going to tell us a lot about both fighters. So I'm, I'm excited about every fight, but I'm definitely excited for this one. But I think there's, there's too many fights that have the potential of really shining above the rest for, for us to really pinpoint one fight as that, you know, steal the show. And I'm not sure this one is going to be that one. Although I'd love to be wrong because it really is a great fight on paper. Main event fight. It's Jeff Neal versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And as, as you said before, there's, there's always that fight where you're like, okay, I don't know who I want to win, but I don't want either guy to lose. And it's tough. As you said, Jeff Neal, he's been a guy that's had trouble getting fights. We, you, you recognize that he is just ready. I mean, you know, his last loss was to Kevin Holland, and since then, he's been just wrecking people from Mike Perry, Nico Price, Balad Muhammad, Frank Camacho, Brian Carmozzi, Chase Weldon, Blair, you know, Blair Williams. He's just, you know, cut, you know, mowing people down like it's cutting the grass. And then you got Stephen Thompson, who I'll go to my my bed believing he got screwed against Darren Till. There is no question in yeah. my mind that was some home, some dams, <laughs> yeah. you know, screwy home cooking back there. Gun to your head. Who do you want to win this fight? I don't, not who might win, who will win here, but if you, as a fan, who do you root for and how tough is it when neither guy is hateable? You, but you basically have to like both guys because they're just, well, those kind of guys. Listen, man, let me, let me put this out, out there first and foremost. As a member of the media, you know, I'm not rooting for any particular fighter. You know what I mean? I watch these fights and I do my best to remain unbiased and everything. However, to answer your question and not be an ass, I, I think from a, a storyline, keeping things competitive, keep the division moving, I think you'd have to go towards Jeff Neal. You know, Stephen Thompson's just been shutting down these contenders. Like, if you remember, he shut down Masvidal, which feels like forever ago, and he sort of stopped that little hype train that he had. He did the same thing to Vicente Luque and guys like that. And he has that tendency of just, you know, sh shutting down these up and coming contenders. So he's, he's, I don't know that he's going to be getting a title shot anytime soon. And he keeps shutting down these new contenders. So I think from a perspective of what keeps the division fun and interesting, you'd have to go with Jeff Neal because he's a, a fun contender. He's a guy that's going to help keep things moving. So I, that's why I think if you were to root for something, 
it would probably be for Jeff Neal just because it's going to open up the division and it could make things, you know, very exciting. If Stephen Thompson loses, do they cut him? And, and as you said, it's <laughs> right now Dana's saying, oh, we're cutting people because of salary here, which I think is a little bit facetious. But as a guy who's 37 years old, as somebody who, as you said, he's been beating prospects, but he's never been a guy who can win the title, even though that Tyrone Woodley thing looks so old now, you know, for that's all the way back in 2017. Is he on the chopping block just because of the age, because of the salary, because of the fact that Bell, you know, UFC is going on a youth movement and Stephen Thompson is sort of in that sort of, you know, nowhere's man, nowhere man's land. Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Stephen Thompson, you sort of look at his age and stuff like that. And you have to think retirement can't be that far away. Like, you know, if we're being realistic at 37 and his birthday, I believe is in February. So it's, it's an old 37. You have to think retirement's not that far away. We can squeeze a couple of fun fights out of him. So I, I don't think so. He could be, you know, it could be one of those weird names that you just, if he loses or he gets cut and you're just like, whoa. And then you think about it. And like you mentioned, like, yeah, high salary. We don't really know what to do with them, but I don't think he's on the chopping block. You know, I think there's a few things the UFC can still kind of do with him. He's a good boost to whatever card and he's headlining fight night card. So I certainly wouldn't be too worried about that. It's a, it's a weird time right now. because we, we recently saw that the judge ruled in favor of fires with this whole class action lawsuit. And we keep wondering, you know, when is the UFC going to pay these guys? When are they going to, you know, do something here? And it's been frustrating for years because you and I both know these guys. And, you know, professionally, you know, we don't root for them. You know, we stay in the middle. And as a fan and as somebody who likes them, we, we do root because they don't get paid well. It's not like this is boxing. It's not like it's baseball. It's not like it's even football or hockey. They're not making the big purses. How much are you rooting that this lawsuit goes through and that the fighters get what's coming to them, that they get more money, especially in a sport where you don't play it. We've seen guys basically get really badly hurt. We've seen them go through two or three jobs during this whole pandemic. How much are you hoping that this lawsuit leads to much better fighter pay and much better just treatment of the fighters? Yeah, I mean, you know, you definitely hope that these guys get a better pay and you root for things like the lawsuit, whatever's going to help. But I think for me, the most important thing would be to form that damn union. I feel like we've been talking about this for so long and fighters get annoyed with the media, but it's like, you know, it's for you guys. Look at how great it works in the NFL and the NBA and everything. For me, things like the union and I mean, the UFC are just so good at business. I mean, look, we, we spent the, a lot of this podcast talking about expensive guys getting cut. And the UFC found out you can bring on these super cheap uh, 10K for 10K kind of deals to replace all of these guys that are super expensive and give you cheap talent that, uh, you know, fills up cards. So it's like, man, until you form a union, I really don't know. And, and I mean, the judge is ruling as well. That definitely helps. But for me, the, the union is going to be the biggest thing. And, you know, not letting, you know, the UFC figure out loopholes, like bringing on all these prospects, which we mentioned has sort of uh, messed with the negotiation power because you have someone that's willing to come in there do it for a lot cheaper and boost these cards. So, yeah, I mean, you definitely root for these guys that they try to get it together, but because the sport's so individual, it's tough. And you hope that the, the judge's ruling is something that puts things in, in the right, uh, you know, in the right direction. And you just hope they can finally get this stuff together. Cause it really feels like every time you could potentially have something, you know, the UFC or, you know, whomever fit figures out a way around it. So you definitely feel like everything's against these fighters and the hunt for getting paid at how they deserve. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I give you a man who is, uh, well, he has his own YouTube channel. He's all over the place. He writes for my MMA news and the scrap news. I give you it is uh, the rising young star himself. I give you Lucas Grandsire. Uh, Lucas, before I let you go, where else can fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans follow you at? Yeah, I think you did a pretty good job covering everything. Uh, my MMA news, the scrap. Twitter and Instagram at Grandsire MMA, uh, the YouTube channel, uh, Lu Lucas Grandsire. I mean, you can find me on there. Uh, I do the Lucas Grandsire podcast, which you can find on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. So uh, I think I think that just about covers everything. But it, pretty much if you type in my name wherever, you're, you're going to find it. Lucas Grandsire, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we're proud to have him on the show. We got to wrap this up. So once again, for Lucas Grandsire, for Chris Van Heerden, for... Gary Antonio Russell, this is Chris Connor saying have a great evening, everyone. I'm out of here. 
Stay tuned for stay tuned for more great action though. Only on it is last call. Last call with the alcohol on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. We'll be we'll see you back here on Friday. Don't miss it.